Hey everyone, this is Dan and welcome to another episode of Heroes of Noise. I just wanted to stop by real quick before the intro starts just to say that Steve and I are so stoked because we recently got to speak to the one and only dream team of Ben Rock and Bob DeRosa, creators of Video Palace. Remember how much we liked Video Palace? Remember how much we just jammed that down your throat because we wanted you to listen? Well, guess what? They're back again with a brand new Audible they just released on October 27th and it's called Catchers. Ben and Bob were nice enough to stop by and talk with us to give us the ins and outs of recording this brand new release, you know, dealing with with COVID, things like that. It's all in there. So I'm going to let you guys listen to it because, you know, you're going to hear enough of me. But I just wanted to say, once again, thank you so much to Ben Rock and Bob DeRosa for stopping by. They are friends of the show and they're welcome anytime. So guys, listen to a great interview. These guys are great. Uh, we love having them on. I think you'll see why. And then, of course, please go to Audible and download Catchers right now. Tell your friends about it. Play it in your car during carpools. It's a great listen to, by the way. You'll talk about that, too. And don't forget, Christmas is right around the corner. So give the gift of Catchers to your friends and family. They're going to love it. They're going to be not only entertained, but terrified as well. And you know what? If they're not careful, they just might learn something, too. Oh, wait. Oh, no. Sorry. That's someone else's line. All right, folks, please enjoy this interview with Ben Rock and Bob DeRosa. We certainly did. Check it out. Talk to you later. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Heroes of Noise, a bonus episode of Heroes of Noise. My name is Dan, and with me is Steve. What's going on, people? What's happening, buddy? How you doing today? I'm doing well, man. I gotta tell you something, Steve. I'm pretty excited right now because we have guests. You know how much I love to have guests on the show. You, bro, so do I. Normally, I'm not a guest person, but for these brothers? Well, that's the thing. You're not the guest guy, but I know you're excited about this one. I'm even happier when they're return guests. So I'm gonna go ahead and just do the little build-up thing, and then we'll get into this, all right? Oh, snap. All right, here we go. So at 2015 and 2017, these gentlemen introduced us to season one and two of 20 Seconds to Live. In 2018, they showed up over here. Actually, it was 2019, but we'll call it 2018. And they had the podcast on Shudder. I'm sure you'd heard it. Video Palace is what I'm talking about. And then in 2020, they came back and they brought some friends with them to create Video Palace in search of the Eyeless Man, which is both a book as well as an audiobook. And as of October 27th, they have released, they've gifted us, ladies and gentlemen, with a highly entertaining audible story known as Catchers. With us today, Bob DeRosa and Ben Rock. Welcome to Heroes of Noise, guys. How you doing? Hey, guys. Thanks Thank for you so us. much for having us. Yeah, yeah, we're excited to come back. Yeah, it's an absolute pleasure. It's been way too long since we last talked, so thank you for returning my calls. I appreciate that. Oh, our pleasure. We have to go through the uh, the obligatory COVID, of course. You know, oh, yes. I'm sure a lot went down <laughs> with you guys during COVID and all of that, but it's been so long since we've actually spoken. Uh, I'd like to know what's up. How you guys been? What have you been up to? Uh, this has been a big part of it. We were actually uh, in, at the early stages of writing uh, catchers right when the pandemic hit and we do most of our, uh, like outlining and stuff over at Bob's house. And you know, one day it was like, Nope, we're doing it on zoom from now. <laughs> and, <Yeah. laughs> and, uh, and, uh, it, it, it was a weird process because, uh, you know, like over the course of writing and everything, the vaccine came out and stuff like that, Bob and I would be comfortable being in the same room, but, mm-hmm. uh, we made the whole project without ever literally being in the same room with any of the actors. One good thing COVID brought us is the ability to do a lot of shit, you know, at home oh my God. by yourselves in the comfort of your own home. I think that's a, that's one plus we can give it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was mind blowing because like Ben and I live maybe, I don't know, a few miles apart and we didn't see each other in, in the flesh for like eight months. Seriously. And like, we, I think we counted once. I think we had four different apps that we were using to be able to communicate over the computer. <laughs> we were using Zoom and our screenwriting software and Google Docs and Dropbox. And we just had this whole system going. But like, luckily, we live in a moment when we could do that and we could actually write and create an entire show online without ever being in the same room with people. It was We were pretty, I mean, 
I don't know if fortunate's the right word. It's a perfect day and age, you yeah. know, uh, with uh, electronics and all that stuff and technology to be able to do it. Now, is it a situation, does either Bob or Ben, do you text someone in the middle of my, text each other in the middle of the night and be like, I have the most interesting idea for a story? Yeah. <laughs> or is it like you call and say, okay, time to throw everything out the wall. What do you have? Or it's just like, yeah, yeah. I have the most crazy idea. I, I know Bob better than to uh, bother him at night. Um, <laughs> when work is over, uh, you know, we might hang out socially and go see a movie or something. But uh, yeah, we don't talk work usually at night. Um, yeah, when I eat din- after dinner, don't ask me to work. I'm ah, on the couch. There it is. That's the way it works. Like after dinner is when I do most of my best work. But, you know, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. So when did this come about? This You were here to talk about catchers today. When exactly did this come about? Kind of just to sort of piggyback off of what Steve was saying. Was this something where, you know, being that you guys are communicating through Zoom, is it just more of like a social thing and you're just sort of, uh, you know, hypothetically talking about things and, oh, shit, I think we just came up with something or like who was the well, one that came up with this? And, and uh, let's I, I'm curious of the process. Well, we should jump back because, I mean, um, 2018 is when we released Video Palace, right, Ben? Yep. And there's, just to clarify, Ben and I co-wrote that show and Ben directed. Um, Mike Manello and Nick Braccia were the creators. Liam Finn produced it. We had an incredible team. Yeah. And so Video Palace came out. We're super proud of it. And it took like five, six months from from them saying, hey, you want to work on this with us to, to release. So we loved the speed of it and the creative. Yeah, yeah. It's just I, very I, creative. I, I just want to illustrate this for you. Uh, we got the call like, are you guys available to do this in April? of 2018 in may my son was born may, may the 4th actually oh congratulations oh, thank man. you thank you so uh my son was born on may the 4th uh like three weeks later uh we started working on it so like beginning of june we turned in the finals at the very end of august like we turned in here's everything all done so we, in that time we uh we 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 broke the story we wrote all the scripts we got approvals on all the scripts we did a casting process we recorded all the actors and did all the post, uh, which was done by Diablo Sound with a guy named uh, Jeremy Lee doing the the sound design and uh, uh, a guy named Michael Tioli doing the score. Uh, and so it's like full original score, full sound design, full everything in what whatever that was, like four or five months. This was a different story, <laughs> to say yeah. the least. So what happened was like, I think the last time we... We we met with you with you guys was was it January 2019? Is that what we were saying? I believe so. January 2019. Okay, so right after that, uh, a producer at Audible reached out to Ben over Twitter and was like, "Hey, Video Palace is great. We like horror. Do you guys have any other shows?" And Ben and I were like, "Sure, we do." And then we looked at our various idea files and uh, we came up with three ideas that we pitched him, just literally sentences and. Um, Producer picked one, and it was Catchers. And actually, Catchers was originally Ben's idea. You want to talk about how you came up with that, Ben? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's inspired uh, sort of by a real event where uh, I was riding my bike, and I came across a dog that, uh, like a stray dog, in a in a parking lot who looked like he was in distress. And I love love dogs. And uh, so I, w- I went over to the dog. The dog didn't run away from me. I didn't pet the dog. I didn't want to get bitten or anything like that. Uh, and I called a friend of mine who's a dog trainer, and she said. Uh, just call animal animal control. Call animal control. I'm like, okay, okay fine. So I um, sitting there on my phone next to my bike with my silly bike shoes and everything, uh, right near the dog. Again, never touch the dog. Called animal control. We're right by a parking lot. Cars are coming. Cars are going the whole time. Like about an hour goes by, and the animal control van shows up, and the guy gets out, and he's got the the and snatch the the pole with a little loop of uh, nylon or whatever, 
and he literally opens up his door, holds that. The dog just takes off into the woods and uh, never to be seen again. I'm like, aren't you going to chase him? He's like, be my guest. And uh, <laughs> sounds familiar. <laughs> and uh, and I and I like, you know, I felt horrible for the dog, obviously. But on the way home, I, I just kind of started imagining like somebody with that attitude having to like catch something horrible. Uh, you know, and I think in my mind originally it was going to be some kind of an alien or something. And then, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I kind of morphed it into, uh, two characters, uh, sort of based on, uh, one of my favorite movies of all time, Repo Man, where you've got like a young character and a crusty old character. And I went home like that night and I wrote a monologue from the point of view of the crusty old person. And uh, a version of that monologue is still in here where he's talking about uh, how, uh, you know, you're going to get stitches and they're going to hurt like, you know, you're going to get shots right into your guts that hurt like Dracula's blowjobs. Like that, like (laughs) great line, by the way, stream of consciousness, that thing kind of just poured out of me and, and I just stuck it in a folder. This is probably, I don't know, 2009, 2010. And every once in a while I would kick it around. And when Bob and I were kind of going through our various ideas to pitch, that was one of the ones that I was like, huh, eh, you know, maybe, maybe this ha- has some life. I pitched it to Bob. He liked it. And, you know, uh, any idea I had of what it was kind of went out the door. As soon as you are working on a, on something with a partner, you, you, you have to kind of allow your ideas to die and change and become a better, newer thing, which is what happens with Bob. Um, you know, so once we started really brainstorming what it could be and and how it was, you know, I, I would say in, in every way, it's every bit as much Bob's ideas, if not more so than mine at this point. But yeah, the 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 first germ of it was that one dog catcher. That is amazing. And do now, do you do a okay? We're going to do an overarch of where it's going to begin or and where it's going to end, or do you just say let's start writing the the uh the mon- the dialogue and wherever it ends it ends or do you have an overarching oh, no. until we start yeah. with the dialogue yeah um we learned this pretty quickly with with video palace luckily like um I- i'd worked in television i worked in the tv show white collar for a season and when you work on a tv show like you have to ar- you have to track out the entire season and then you have to break every individual episode but then you're also kind of tracking the various through lines of, of a season and so I-, I learned how to do that and ben and i had, you know, we played around with an, a pilot and so we practiced breaking story together and then we did Video Palace together, which was yeah. turning a 10-page pitch document into 180 pages of script Jeez. over 10 episodes. Which we did in, I think, six weeks, right? Didn't we just turn that around yeah, in about six weeks? Yeah, it was super fast. So That's when it came yeah. time- so much work. When it came time to catchers, like, yeah, there's there's no room for let's just start and see where this ends up, especially when you're, when you're making something for a platform like Audible or Shutter, where they go, we want to make this, we just need to know what this is. And so Ben and I, we, we have a process we go through. And it, at first, it's a lot of throwing ideas at the wall and seeing what sticks and figuring out what characters are going to work. But eventually, we, we have two cork boards we put up, and that's enough to fit eight or ten episodes on. And then we're putting ideas on note cards. Basically, I sit at my desk, and we, we talk about ideas until we got one we like. I write up the card in my terrible handwriting, which is actually better than Ben's. Way better not. than mine. Yeah, my handwriting then is illegible. I, I hand the card... I hand the card to Ben and his job is to, is to like get the little tack and put it up on the board. If I do that part, Ben's like, oh, I want to put the tack. I want to put the card on the board. And so then, <laughs> so we do that and we start filling in the gaps. And before you know it, we've got two, two boards filled with cards and Ben will then go through and he'll start marking like when a scary thing happens. 
And, and we, and that way we can look at the whole board, you know, at the whole show and go, oh, there's not enough scary stuff in episode four. Or there's too much in this one. Let's move it around. And we, so we have a whole process that's like two madman scientists. Yeah. Breaking, figuring it out. But that's, that's, that's breaking story. And then that's not even the writing part. That's just to get ready to write. And that's the part that we had just finished when the pandemic hit and shut down the entire city and Ben and Jeez. I were, were, were apart for eight months. Yeah, we were using the, the screenwriting software we use is Fade In and they have a kind of it's a collabo writer mode or something where you can both get online mm-hmm. at the same time and be kind of poking at the same script. It's not I wish it was as smooth as Google Docs. Google Docs is like the best way to do that. But um, but it works. It, it can be a little crashy sometimes. But we would get on Zoom. But, you know, also like we we tend to divide and conquer. So um, so uh, specifically, I'll say like Bob took I, I want to say you took like in catchers. We'd already we had collaborated on on the first episode as part of the deal to uh, to get uh, Audible to sign off on it in the first place. So episode one was already written before we started. And I think Bob took, I think, two and three or two, three and four oh, man, uh, I have because no memory. There was like a siege in there and Bob was like, I'm good at writing sieges. And I'm like, go for the siege. <laughs> and, 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 and we basically divided it equally. And what we do is we, we, we write the scripts, we go off, you know, so let's say Bob's writing two, three and four and I'm writing five, six and seven. And then I think we, we split eight or something. I, I don't remember. But anyway, once we're done, we go back and rewrite the other person. So I'll rewrite what Bob did. Bob will rewrite what I wrote. And, you know, it's, it's in, it's in the screenwriting thing. So you can see where the stars are, where, where it is. And we're not like doing a, at that point, it's not usually drastic. It's usually, I would say it's usually kind of like we're polishing what the other person did. Um, a little bit. And if they're, and if we're going to do something more severe, it'll be a conversation where I'm not going to just like tear Bob's script in half and change and start from scratch without talking to him. Uh, you know, even if it's like, Hey, I'm going to do a big thing to the scene. Do you mind? And you know, we keep all the old versions. So if it's like, Hey, I took a swing at this and eh, my idea sucks. We'll go back to the way Bob had mm-hmm. it. And that's fine. Yeah. And I should yeah, say, Go ahead. No, please. I was going to say real quick, just since we're getting into the the nitty gritty of this, just the basic pitch of the show, because Ben touched on it, was the idea of this this crusty old retiring dog catcher who's got to train his replacement, who's a young woman. She's a vet student, hates mansplaining. So, of course, these two don't get along. They have one more call that they have to answer before this guy can finally retire and hand over the reins to his young protege. So they go out to this remote family farm expecting to find a wild animal that they have to catch. And instead, it's a pack of monsters. So that's that pitch, that's that's the that's the pitch, and we had that pretty early on when we were when we were uh, when we were pitching to Audible. But then, of course, then we would go through the process that that Ben is now describing, where we have to we're making a you know a two hour plus show, and we're breaking story and changing and figuring out the best way to tell that particular story. I just love hearing the nitty gritty because I when I listen to the show when when uh, Dan and I were on the way to to Halloween Horror Nights or uh, to L A. I was like, I'm sitting there thinking each character could have been done 120 million different ways. Hmm. Every single character. I'm like, how do they narrow down? Because the old man, like if Dan (laughs) and I had to create an old man, we would both have 800 different ideas. How do you narrow down? Okay, this is the version of this older man that we're going with. Mm -hmm. The end, move forward. And then now you have... 15 other characters to do yeah. the same thing to. It's like, golly, dude. It was Uncle Ted, correct? Yeah, yeah, Uncle Ted. 
Like how Pl- played by the amazing David Patrick Kelly. I cannot tell you how excited we were to get to work with David Patrick Kelly. Dude, and that's another thing I recognize. Like one of the, I'm really into stand up comedy, and I'm sitting there listening to one of the guys. I'm like, no, is and I probably am wrong. But I was like, is that the, my stand up comedian buddy? But uh, yeah, there, a lot Billy of Billy Gardell. I reckon- yes, and I was like, wait okay. a minute, how do they get these? Do you want to? This is the best story of all. Go ahead, okay, Ben. Please. <laughs> Tell them about how we got Billy Gardell. Please. <laughs> well, it started when I took Billy, uh, I gave him a ride to his first ever stand-up uh, gig. Uh, Billy and I went to high school together, and um, we were in the same thespian troupe, thespian troupe 850 in uh, Winter Park, Florida. I know Billy. Uh, Billy's persona is that of a Pittsburgh person, and he is from Pittsburgh, but I can assure you he went to high school in Winter Park, Florida. And, uh, and we did shows together and I've known Billy, I've known him since I was 15 years old and, um, and he was even in an episode of 20 seconds to live. And, uh, the thing is when we were writing this, you, when you're doing something like this, you have to be really careful. Like I didn't tell Billy, Hey, uh, we're writing this with you in mind, but I was, uh, I was definitely when I went, when it was my turns to write Collins, I had Billy's voice in my head while I was writing it. But you never know, like Audible might be like, yeah, you know, we have we have a deal with George Clooney. And you're like, OK, well, that, you know, that that settles that. Um, yep, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> like you, you just never know. But I had mentioned several times to uh, our executive, Matt Patterson, that I thought Billy Gardell would be a really good Collins. And uh, and so when the time came, uh, when they brought on uh, the production company that produced the show, uh, they were like, so is Billy Gardell attached to this? And I'm like, no, no, no one's ever talked to Billy about it yet. Um, would you like me to? And they were like, yeah, do it. So I reached out to Billy and, uh, you know, he was because of the nature of recording audio and, you know, it, it's not like making a movie and you don't have to worry if someone like gains or loses weight or their hair color yes. changes or anything like you're, yes. you, you can separate their sessions by days or weeks. And, uh, and, and we did, <laughs> you know, again, unlike, uh, uh, video palace, which we shot in like five days in a row, this, it was shot. It, it was basic. It was about the same number of recording hours, but it was spread out over four months. And it's just around availability of not just Billy, but everybody, you know, we have all these, all these different characters and uh, some of them we had recording at the same time, as many of them as I could have recorded at the same time we did. But a lot of them, you know, like David Patrick Kelly or Marilyn Rice Cub, you know, we had to bring them in on their own days, you know, for various scheduling reasons and stuff like that. But yeah, so uh, Billy did it. I I wouldn't say he did it as a favor to me. It was something that he was excited to do, but um but he, you know, he he came on board because we're buddies. That is, you got Mary Lynn Rice Cub with one. I did not know that. Another yeah. stand up. We are seriously yeah. glossing over something very important right now. You got mm. warriors come out to play in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Holy David Patrick shit. Kelly. I love that guy. I love him too, and he is he's wonderful. I remember at Mike Check when we were working with him, uh, somebody's like, "Hey, David, can you just uh, say something?" And off the top of his head, he recited a Shakespearean sonnet. Come on, yeah, that's and that guy. Come on. And Ben and I just looked at each other like the biggest geeks in the world. We were just nerding out because, like, it's like this little private moment that nobody. It was just a show for us. It was a show for two Jeez. dorks in Studio yeah. City. No, I, I I love that guy's work. And when you're casting stuff like this, to me, that's sometimes the fun of it is to kind of, you know, kind of go through your mental Rolodex and say, like, what who's who's the who's my dream person in this role? And you never like, you know, you could reach out to them. You know, it, they could have said no. Yeah. Um, but for each one of them, I think the commitment was, 
maximum two hours. It wasn't really that much of their time. So it's like, if they like the material, it's, you know, it's, it, it's, it's a fun, easy thing to go try out and, you know, and, uh, and, and it, it I, I feel like it helps raise our profile, but moreover, you know, like Marilyn Rice Cub, uh, you know, the, the feature I directed, uh, the star was Carlos Bernard who played, uh, who, who played Tony Almeida on 24, the TV series and Marilyn, yeah. Marilyn Rice Cub, uh, famously played a character named Chloe. So I'm like very mm-hmm. slowly, uh, collecting all of the characters from 24 <laughs> in my stuff. <laughs> I I was a 24 fanatic, so when you said Marilyn, and I know she does occasional stand-up. I didn't know she yeah. was a stand-up comedian until but I she's saw mostly her. Like, a stand-up. Hey! I, I think that that's yeah, most Matt, of what oh, she does. Oh, is she? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I thought she was an actress that sometimes dipped her foot into stand-up. Yeah, that's no, where I was, she, too. No, I'm pretty, sure, uh, I'm pretty sure that stand-up is her main thing, and she does a lot of acting. I'm sure that's how she – I'm sure she makes – I I, the, I don't know how much money she makes doing anything, but uh, you know, act I, she acts in a lot of high profile stuff, so I assume she Absolutely. does pretty well with that. But she's always doing stand up. That is freaking amazing, and I'm wondering when you're directing people for their audio, you're doing it over Zoom, I imagine. Yeah, sometimes. Well, I mean, when we did Video Palace, that wasn't the case. Uh, Bob and I were both in the room with every actor. Okay. So if, if you listen to Video Palace, like anyone who was in a scene with anyone else was literally in the room with them. And we blocked them. We blocked them like it was a movie. And this was done uh, uh, because of COVID and, you know, other factors. This was done with people in kind of isolated recording booths. And uh, so you you could have multiple people in a Zoom session. So at least actors could act opposite one another. And in uh, only one instance, but it's a big instance, it's, uh, you know, kind of the wraparound story, which is uh, the uh, the uh, Walter's character talking to um, – talking to Blair, the lead played by horizon Guardiola Walters Mm -hmm. uh, played by Nikki Michaud. Um, uh, They were in adjacent studios that had a glass partition so they could actually make eye contact and perform off of one another, which was great. Oh, that's awesome. That is freaking genius. But that kind of stuff is rare. I'm assuming it's because of COVID all these studios now can give you like a really pristine signal on zoom. And they have webcams, although I would say uh, they are of varying quality, the webcams. Uh, you know, obviously, you don't need to see what someone looks like. You're, it's only helpful so that they can kind of – so you can sort of make eye contact like the video on Zoom is. Right. Um, and to help explain yourself better. But I vastly prefer having more than one actor in a session together because then their performance builds off of each other. So almost all of the uh, Blair and Collins stuff that's Billy Gardell and Horizon Guardiola – Almost all of their stuff is the two of them in simultaneous Zoom sessions, although they were – I don't think they were ever even in the same building. And the same with uh, Blair and Walters. And it's to, – to me, you get a better performance out of that. But, you know, as a, as a director, uh, you know, Bob we, – we did most of them from Bob's house. I'd be at Bob's house. We'd both be in the Zoom session. And you just kind of – obviously, you have to know the story back to front and know what you're setting up and what you're paying off, but also just kind of performance wise. Uh, it's honestly, it, it comes down to the same kind of thing that you would need to know in film or theater, which is like, what is the character trying to do? Or what is, what are we trying to get across here? And, and how to explain that in, in a language that that actor will understand, which every director will tell you every, every actor is different. So you never really know from one to the next, what's going to, what, what's going to, uh, be the best, most efficient way to communicate with them. And in audio, you have to be very efficient, uh, you know, because like uh, movies and TV, like a movie, you might be doing three to five pages a day. TV, you might be doing six to eight pages a day. We were regularly doing like 40 pages in four hours. Golly. 
believe, man. That's crazy. But but Jesus. it's it's it and it ended up being about the same as what we did on Video Palace. We were recording in on Video Palace. We were recording about forty pages a day ish, give or take. But we were recording everyone in a scene, so that so it was over. And even in scenes where we had multiple characters recording at the same time, there was inevitably somebody else who would have to come in. And so, you know, again, like David Patrick Kelly, like he was in New York. Uh, we had to do all his stuff all together and, and get him out the door, basically. So we didn't have him in group scenes, which I would have loved to have done, but it just schedule wise and budget wise wouldn't have worked. So inevitably, and, and I made this massive, boring to look at spreadsheet that was like every scene who we were going to try and record together, who was left out after that. And, uh, you know, so who, who were in the group and who was not in the group. And, uh, and then Jeez. we would have to pick all those things up later. And, um, we always had, uh, an actual actor, not myself or Bob, but well, I mean, Bob is an actor, but we, we always had an actor or two actors who would read off of, uh, you know, again, if it was Mary Lynn or, or David Patrick Kelly or whatever, we would always have actors that they could read off of so that they're giving a genuine reaction and a genuine performance rather than just spouting off their lines, which is another way you can do this and not one that I especially love. Um, and, uh, and so at least that kind of makes them feel integrated into the scenes. But then sometimes the trouble would be like, okay, do you remember when we recorded this? You know, were they really, were they all getting elevated and faster or were, were they calmer? Like, you know, trying to make sure that you got the performance that matched the energy that you might've recorded a month and a half earlier. And, uh, some, every once in a while, uh, we would, we would ha have the actors do it a couple of different ways just in case. Uh, but for the most part, we would remember about what it was. I can say that like we're inspired by like movies like Tremors where there's we love movies where like, you know, fun horror movies where people are stuck yes. in a spot and monsters are trying to get them. But and with with movie, you can have eight or nine people and some of them are going to die. But it's like we're just used to that sort of, you know, movies like The Thing. We just have a, a big mm. cast doing an audio show. We realized not a lot of people do what we tried, which is like. When we had the actual siege, it was our two animal control officers, Collins and Blair, plus a family of four. Our two dads, their adopted daughter, Kaylee, and Uncle Ted. And so you had six characters. We had to track those six characters only with audio. So we needed six actors that all sounded completely different. And we needed to kind of be mindful of how many people were talking in the same scene so that you don't, so the listener doesn't get confused and go, wait, who's that? Or what happened oh. to Uncle Ted? He kind of dropped out. Yeah. So all these things you don't think about because in a movie, you can just see all the people. In audio, we have to, we had to, on a narrative level, have to try to figure out how can we keep all of these characters alive and in the scene when there's just a lot of bodies. Yeah. So it was it was an interesting challenge and, and fun. And luckily, we had a killer cast. So it, it yeah. did a lot of the work for well, us. And a big part of casting, too, is making sure all the voices sound very different. So that, like, yes. if, yeah. if if Uncle T I mean, you could, you could see a universe in which whoever ended up playing Collins and whoever ended up playing Uncle Ted sounded similar enough that when you mm -hmm. heard one, you were like, is that is that Collins or is that Uncle Ted? You know? And, yes. and so, like, finding people with not even just distinctive voices, but in the casting process that just don't sound anything alike and there were a couple of times where there were actors who we really liked and we weren't able to cast them because they sounded too much like somebody else who'd already been cast that i totally under because horizon sounds very unique all of them had such specific voices even yeah. the the agent i was like as soon as her voice came on i was like wow that's just a different 
voice right there. Yeah, yeah. I could tell they're having the their interrogation. No question. Yeah, Nikki's like, amazing. Great man. No wonder she sounded so familiar to me too. I'm like, who is this voice? I know I've heard it before. I mean, I, had, I encountered that several times while we were listening to it, but uh, Nikki mostly to me, I was just like, who is this voice? I was trying to place it. And now that I'm looking, I'm like, oh, okay, that makes complete sense. Hey guys, I wanted to ask you because Steve and I are both huge fans of horror and uh, more, you know, specifically like creatures and creature design and all of that. And um, we were, but we were talking about this, trying to picture what this creatures, well, there's a couple of them, obviously a couple of different mm. types of creatures. And um, we were trying to figure out like what we thought they looked like by, you know, mm. your explanation of it or your description of it, I should say. And I'm curious to you guys, did you, who came up with the, the creature design? Did you go back and forth? Were you inspired by anything? And more importantly, do you have any type of uh, like concept art of it or anything like that? <laughs> no That's a great question. Yeah. There's no concept art of it. There is uh, I, I did make a Pinterest board of various monsters that I thought, you know, like, you know, kind of amalgamated all together might kind of comprise what our creature looked like. But, you know, one of one of the big th- pieces that uh, that we were able to get was to hire someone to voice the creature. And uh, and that kind of opened up a lot of doors. And it was actually I have to thank uh, Yuri Lowenthal, who plays the police officer at the very beginning for hooking us up with Fred Tatashore. Fred Tatashore is like an amazingly accomplished voice artist. And side note, he also is the is the radio voice of the commercial for uh, the Euland Corporation in the in the episode. Oh come oh, okay. on! All right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he, but uh, Fred does amazing monster sounds, and he did an uh, an audition for us, which uh, which was awesome. And he gave me a bunch of different sounds, and I literally just we had a few different people give us auditions. And I took Fred's audition stuff and I and I brought it into Adobe Audition, the uh, audio editing software. Hey. And I yeah. add, I added some EQ and I added some echo and I added some sound effects of woods and stuff and kind of played around with it and layered it on top of itself. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah, this is this is perfect. So you know, like <laughs> we 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 talked to him a little bit, and then before we actually did our recording session, Fred gave me I, I call it the monster kit, but like we had talked about like the various sounds it would make. And, you know, a lot of it comes from like, it's supposed to be something that, uh, is, is able to be underwater or on land, but mostly spends most of its life underwater. Uh, it can smell really well. So it would have like a really large, you know, nasal chamber, all that stuff. It is a mammal, um, you know, kind of putting all of these various ideas together. Um, he gave me like a bunch of different sounds and then I kind of took them into audition again and made a more developed, uh, uh, demo. And it was, this was mostly for the sound designers, but also just for myself, probably mostly for myself. Actually, I I shouldn't flatter myself to say that I know enough to tell the sound (laughs) designers how to do their job, but, um, but, uh, but it was basically like combining them in different ways. And at first I brought in, like, I have a bunch of sound effects. So I brought in like a crying baby and a pig squeal and nails on a chalkboard and a, you know, a rusty hinge. And I was like, I was going to combine all those into it. And I was like, eh, fuck it. Let me just see what just Fred by himself can get me. And it, and mm-hmm. it was, it was amazing. And so, uh, you know, again, another another spreadsheet later, uh, we'd kind of uh, created like all the different sounds we needed because you're not going to have him uh, voice every monster sound in the entire piece individually. But but, you know, like, okay, we need an attack sound. We need a sound when it gets hurt. We need a sound when it's communicating. We need an echolocation sound that doesn't even sound like the scream that's just kind of populating in the woods before they ever show up or if it's not Mm -hmm. in the woods, wherever we hear them. And, um, 
And so we kind of went through that process. And we, I think, again, we only had like two hours with Fred to record everything, but he nailed it. I mean, like he didn't just nail it. He nailed it well enough that we were able to get the radio uh, commercial voice when, when we were done. And I, I'd said to him like, hey, you know, because he has his own recording setup. I'm like, if you would prefer to break this up into four half hours or whatever, he's like, I think we could do this in two straight hours. Don't worry about it. And, uh, and he, he was amazing. He, he, he really did a great job. Like what he, what he does. I mean, I don't, I'm not exaggerating. If you're familiar with the, with Tuvin throat singing, and if you aren't, I, there's a great documentary. I've never heard of it. I've never uh, heard there's it. a great documentary. I think it's called Wild there Man is. Blues about uh Tuvin throat singer. Was it called Wild Man Blues, Bob? I can't remember the name of it, but there, we both saw that at the Florida Film Festival probably when we worked yep, there. That's where I saw it. Um, yeah. anyway, uh, I, yeah. Oh, go ahead, Bob. No, I just want to jump in because narratively, the original question was about like the the kind of the concept of what what it looked like, and so yes, yes. you know Ben talked about you know about the, the voice of the creature, which was crucial to kind of putting an image in 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 people's heads when they listen to the show. But then also narratively, we had to figure out how to make people see a monster when we can't actually we don't have a camera, we don't have a movie mm. screen. And so we, and it's, it, one of the tricks of, of writing audio fiction is the idea of, of we use a framing device because that just gives, you know, basically our story starts with the, the Blair character has survived this night of terror. We don't know who else has survived, but then she's being questioned by a state bureau of investigations agent. And so, you know, it gives her the opportunity every once in a while we can cut back from the action to her and she can describe stuff as she's telling this story to this agent. And so we really used that framing device when there were just crucial moments when we had to just know how scary and effed up something was looking to go back to her to hear it in her own words. Sometimes it would, they'd be in the middle of an action sequence and they'd be like, oh, my God, look at that. And they'd be able to describe what's what's coming at them. Yes. But it's about us making sure that it just never felt false that it always felt organic and would yep. be stuff that people would actually say. But also we want the payoff that you get in a movie when you finally see the big monster and you go, Oh my gosh, the big reveal us having to, and the only tools we had were stuff that people could say sound effects. And luckily this amazing monster voices, you know? So uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was another, another challenge to, 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 to make it feel like a monster movie, but one that's just for the years. That's so so smart, and I and I know I don't I don't want to give too much away because some people might be listening to this who haven't yeah. heard heard the whole thing. But I will say what I loved what you did about what the agent is. The agent is how a person is supposed to respond to this madness. <laughs> she's like, she's not like, oh really? Oh crazy? Okay, let's run. She's like, let me tell you why I don't believe you because yeah. this sounds ridiculous. I'm like, yes, exactly. <laughs> it's a ridiculous story. She should not believe it. So I love that she was like, I'm gonna strap you down because not only are you talking crazy, but you're being a little crazy right now. I'm like, <laughs> I love this. She's she, this is how you're supposed to do it. Ben, would you define yourself as a skeptic? Oh God, yeah, in general, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. So, so there's a lot of Ben in her. To be uh, honest, a lot, of, a lot of her skepticism, her well thought out and well argued skepticism. That's some Ben Rock for you right there. You know, echoing on what Steve was saying about us not really want it's so new. We don't want to give a lot away. We want everyone to experience this for the first time and just get everything out of it that you guys intended to. I have some questions where I kind of want to dance around the plot as opposed to like, sure. talking about the plot, sure. of course. Um, you know, I'm just curious, you, you guys, you know, having the experience of doing 20 seconds to live and then, of course, doing Video Palace and, and of course, Catchers now, you've had a chance to do some comparison and maybe um, I'm just wondering if like 
while you're in the middle of this, say, you know, you're recording this, do you ever get that feeling like, wow, we could actually turn this into a movie? Like, like, is there ever any constantly? Video did you, yeah, did you ever? <laughs> and I'm talking about video constantly. Guys, nice. Okay. Oh so, yeah. Is that something that might happen in the future? Or if you, let's say, that, let's just say that you were given the opportunity to do this big feature film or something like that. Would you want to do something that was more original that you haven't touched on yet? Or do you ever go, man, I want to come back and really touch. Like, that was a great fucking story. I would love for people to see this. Well, I mean, one of the hardest things about selling a movie is, uh, you know, convincing anyone that there would be an audience for it. And when it's a pre-existing piece of IP, it's a lot easier to sell it. Mm. So... Uh, you know, uh, far be it for me to know how popular this is going to be on Audible, but re- regardless of how popular it is, uh, if we were to take this idea to somebody to make a movie out of it, at least we would be able to say, here's, you aren't the first money into this. Somebody else was into this idea and here's a fully produced version of it. Um, you know, with Video Palace, uh, it was something that we very much wanted to do. And literally everyone on the team, Mike Manello, Nick Brachia, myself, Bob, everybody, we were all into trying to spin it off into some movie. And that may one day happen, but Shudder owns all the rights to it. So it's it's really up to Shudder as to when that happens. Um, that's not the case with this. Uh, so we'll, we'll see if it, if it's able to, but yeah, I mean, we talked about that, although, you know, like we do scenes here that like, if I were to show the script to a line producer, they'd be like, fuck you about putting an attack scene at night on a boat. Like, that's just, that's a, that that's a filming headache. Um, you know, that would be really hard to do in film and on audio. It's like, well, you know, you're going to need a lot of splash sound effects. <laughs> you know, you, you're not, you know, it's, it's not, it's not nearly as hard. And that was something we learned on video palace. Like we could kind of set a scene anywhere. We could do whatever we wanted. It was, uh, uh, much, uh, more accessible to do the stuff that you would do in a big movie. You could just do it in audio as long as it's, as long as you write it for audio. Um, I, f- I feel like you can do that. Bob, do you have any, anything else to add to that? Yeah, I mean, it's just it, it. Like I said, there's there's all these challenges when you're writing for audio, and like Ben and I both we're both filmmakers. We've made movies, we've made television, and audio is a brand new format for us. But we've been doing it now for a few years, and so there's certain tricks and certain challenges and just narrative shortcuts you can figure out to to hopefully tell a good story in audio. But then there's also like Ben's saying, there's the there's the the benefits of like budget's not an issue. You can have we have multiple sieges. We have giant locations. We have tons of characters and big monsters. You know, uh, is is a move? Is a movie? We destroy feasible? buildings. Buildings we, are destroyed. We blow, we blow stuff up, True. Um, and it's cool. And we, you know, and so like, is there a movie version of this? Sure. You know, I, I think it it originated as a movie idea and to, could totally go back to being a movie idea or even maybe a limited series. Uh, is there a bigger world and more stories to tell in the world of catchers? Absolutely. And then Ben and I, we created this from scratch. We created the story from scratch and we own the story. So if, if this is a hit, please make this a hit so that we can go out and, and move it to a different medium. And, you know, would it be exactly like the show? Probably not. We'd have to make some, you know, then you get into the physical world and you have to make some choices, but that's the fun of, of making stuff. So yeah, we'd love nothing more than to, to keep catchers going. Oh, we were always talking about it. (laughs) 
Speaking of sound effects, you brought that up. I got to just tell you, it's not really so much a question as it's just a comment. You guys have the best squelches in the game. There's a particular <laughs> <laughs> it's a particular uh, part where I really won't get into it or anything, but it's an examining of a uh, certain part of the body. And uh, just, <laughs> I'm like, wow. <laughs> like, I'm grossing out listening to this in a car, on a car, you know, a car radio. Like, I can only imagine what it's like in my earbuds, which I'm totally planning on going back to and giving it another listen. But uh, yeah, just the best squelches in the game. And um Second, after that, I was you were talking about the the creatures. Do you have? I, I'm not asking for it because I'm sure that's something you guys want to keep under your you know under wraps. But do you have an origin story? Do you know where these creatures? I know where they came from in the story, but do you have an origin of like how they got there? Uh, beyond what we say in the show. Well, I guess just, I'm sorry if I'm not asking that correctly. I guess what I'm saying is because you know there is as you're saying maybe there's more room for some more catcher stories in the future. Oh, and God, I'm yeah. just curious. You know, if there's more of a uh, maybe like a prequel type situation going on here where, you know, I, I, I'm trying not to, I'm, I'm I think I'm suffering right now because I'm trying to say something without actually saying it. But I'm saying, you know, we know where they came from in this story. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. just curious how they got there. I, I think I think it's not like Ben and I've mapped out the whole world personally for me and Ben, you can you can chime in here. I feel like we left certain areas. Not we didn't. I don't necessarily think there's unanswered questions, mm-hmm. but there's avenues that are just kind of there that like, if, if there's an avenue of like, oh, could what about this period of time? What about this origin? What about this? I, I think there's so many openings for story and so many possibilities. And that's just, that's open to us. We haven't figured it all out, but I think we would love nothing more than have, have the opportunity to do so. That's the oh. fun of it, right? Yeah. Pardon yeah. me, like marble mouthing there, but I was just really not trying to uh, give yeah. away anything. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Appreciate no, it. No, I understand. Because yeah. the, these creatures are there's um there's a thing that I love about these creatures where a um for me I'm like hey normal creatures you get bit you get away everything's fine mm-hmm. the way y'all did a thing where it's like not necessarily <laughs> not necessarily is <laughs> so smart which makes these things so scary and the whole time I'm listening I'm like man this is you actually have to think, what would I do? Yeah. Like, what would I do in this situation? There Now, me, I'm vacating the premises. It is not my job to figure yeah. out, no, 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 no. I am getting as far away from the, and and the, the dope thing is, you made it so that, yeah, they would probably want to, but what if that's not an option for you? Yeah. Well, what and we, have, and oh, we have a character so who, smart. we have a character who, who tries that. <laughs> so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly, and you're, you guys wrote it so smart. Because me being, uh, and I'm, this is something only you. I'm sorry, listeners, but only you're gonna understand. As a, I'm like an environmentalist, and there's a question toward the end of this, mm. being like, "What to do?" And I'm like, mm. right in my brain, I thought, "But wait!" And you guys did a but wait, <laughs> but you made Horizon do a but wait. I'm like, oh, yeah. I love this. I love it for a split second. Oh, thanks. It's like, hold thanks. on. And I'm like, yes, we're and so I so smart. I mean, so smart, beautifully oh, done. Oh, thank you so much. I, thank you. I, th- I think one of the things that we really endeavor to do uh, it, when you're when you're writing a horror story, it's very easy to be like, hey, uh, let me have this character do X, Y, and Z so that they get in the wrong kind of trouble, so I can have a big fun <laughs> kill scene. And you see that all the time. And I'm not down on people who do it. I love a lot of those movies. But you know, like to me, True North is like uh, John Carpenter's The Thing, which Bob and I yes. actually saw at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery last weekend. Um, oh, fantastic, one of the best. Yeah. Uh, and it's like what you do is you have these characters who do the smartest thing or the most appropriate thing that that character would do. 
and you know, and it, it makes the writing more difficult. I think sometimes because when you're like, okay, well, if if they're smart, they wouldn't get into this situation. But these are characters who are, you know, they're not commandos; they're dog catchers. They are the yes. definition of brought a knife to a gunfight. They they are not yes. ready for for what they're up against, and yet they're the only people who can do it. And uh, and and so to have those characters do the thing that they would do. And also, and a lot of times between these two characters, they just bicker and fight about what that is, um, (laughs) which which I hope to me, that's part of the fun. That's like the repo man and tremors and stuff like that, where you have these kind of an old and a young character who who don't agree. Uh, And then, you know, they they come across a bunch of other characters who also, you know, all all are kind of coming at it from a different mindset. And and uh, Mm -hmm. and it's it's kind of about them all. The whole story is about them all trying to get the right mindset to take care of the problem, which is, you know, getting killed by monsters. And and so, you know, that it's hard to do sometimes because it's easy to be like, hey, I'm just gonna have this character do something just stupid so they can get killed in a in a fun way. And, you know, we try to avoid that. Yeah. And and what I love of what you guys did is if I'm in the woods and I see something like flying with colors, I know it hasn't been discovered. I'm like, oh, this is an <laughs> alien. <laughs> But if I saw that thing, I'd be like, maybe I've just never ran into this thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, I wouldn't think it's a monster. I'm just like, maybe I'm just not cultured enough in these woods to have seen this. But as it goes forward, I'm like, wait a minute. No, 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 no. Uh-uh, we've never seen anything. <laughs> like. But I love how you're like, it's just, it's just um, advanced enough for it to be real. Like, this could actually be in somewhere that we just don't know. I'm just like, this is so scary. Oh, this is you. so devastatingly scary. <laughs> it's just, and I have to ask who. This is one of my favorite lines I've heard in a movie. In a, I said a movie in a pod, which is a movie in my brain. Who wrote the line? Hey, turns out if you do something terribly for fifteen years, you get okay at it. I'm like, oh my god, you do! <laughs> you totally do! I'm like, I, I it don't made remember me feel Bob. Good who, about trying. <laughs> who wrote that? I Bob think I- that. That might have been me. It's <laughs> such a good line. <laughs> I, think, I love it. I, but I don't know. And <laughs> I think we probably, if I wrote it originally, then Ben rewrote it and we can, we can share credit for it for sure. So thank you for that. <laughs> Dude, I, oh, because it made me like, I need to start doing stuff. They're like, hey, even if you suck, if you suck long enough, you're going to be okay after 15 years of this thing. I'm like, oh, dude, that's totally dope. It gives us all hope. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yes. Hey, let's talk about the music real quick. I, I, I know that you guys are running out of time here, but I would like to know, you know, can you tell me about the composer and how that all came to be? Yeah. So uh, the composer is a guy named Steve Moore, and he's, uh, he's actually in a band called Zombie, Z-O-M-B-I. And they do music that sounds like, you know, Dario Argento music from 1978. Like they, they do very horror centric stuff. And Steve had composed scores for, uh, two friends of mine, uh, Joe Vegas and Joe Lynch. So Joe Vegas, who does, who, who did like VFW and the mind's eye. And, uh, um, Oh, I'm, I'm blanking. I'm blanking on it. I can see the, the hey, poster image bliss. That was it. Yes. Uh, uh, and Joe Lynch, uh, who y'all should know if you're horror fans, he, uh, Steve did the score for uh, Mayhem. Um, oh, Mayhem. I love it, that movie. That's a great movie, man. Okay, so yeah, so so I reached out to both of them and I asked them like, you know, A, do you think he would be willing to do something just for audio and B, you know, 
you know, would you be willing to put in a good word? And they both said yes. And, uh, and so, yeah, I, I got to work with someone who was, uh, Steve's work is just really amazing. And I really feel like it elevates it. He's the, you know, like I remember Joe Lynch basically saying like, he's one of us, like he loves horror. He loves horror movies. This is like what, this is his passion. It's what wakes him up and gets him going in the morning. So he'll be into doing something like this. And, uh, I, I love, I love the work that he did for this because it, uh, it does kind of, it, it, it has kind of a retro sound without sounding like stranger things, in my opinion, like we weren't going yeah. for a stranger things kind of a vibe, but you know, more like, uh, you know, Lamberto Bava kind of a sound. And, uh, and, and I really feel like, you know, and, and, and at one point Steve said like, you know, what would be your true North? Like what, who, who do you want this to sound like? And I was like, you dude, I want it to sound like your music. You know, <laughs> I, awesome. I can point Perfect. to spe- specific scores of yours that I, that inspired me to reach out to you. But, um, uh, yeah, he, he's, he's just, uh, he's one of a kind and, uh, I, I, I hope I get to work with him again. He was really great. Hey guys, I want to honor your time. I know that you're going to need to be getting out of here real soon, but I do have one more question for you. And, uh, I'm sorry, Steve, if I'm uh, taking that. No, honor. no, no, I'm good. But I am curious, you know, as obvious fans of horror, who's creating fantastic horror these days in your opinions, besides yourself, of course. Hmm. God, there's so much. Um, I mean, there's an astonishing amount of great uh, this year, especially yeah. has just been kind of yes. just like, uh, we've been spoiled. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like this might be one of those years, you know, I like, I always look back at like great movie years, like 1994, 1999, you know, there's, there's years where, where like movies are just awesome. And I feel like this is one of those years for horror, which maybe what was 1981 when, uh, like, uh, uh, it was it was it was like the thing and the howling and and uh, uh, American Werewolf in London. Like there were a bunch of yes. great horror movies that all came out in one year. Uh, Gremlins, I think. No, Gremlins was eighty four. I'm sorry, came out the same day as Ghostbusters. Um, God, uh, I mean, like uh, I recently saw Smile, and that blew my mind. Like I uh, and I saw it. I I actually host a podcast where I interview cinematographers, and I was going to interview the DP of Smile, and I was sort of like, I don't know, looks gimmicky, whatever. And I went to a screening after my son went to sleep, and I was like, this movie kicks ass. Um, <laughs> um, there's uh, God, there's 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 just like a shocking amount of 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 great horror stuff. I mean, like Bob, what's been uh. What's I just the, saw X by Ty West and oh god and like I, I I saw it kind of after the 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 swell of 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 momentum and people freaking out about it so like sometimes I'm afraid the hype will be will miss me because it'll just be too much and so I just saw it recently and I'm like this movie's fantastic yeah and, I loved it and so smart and so and it's another one of those movies where like you look at it very closely and you're like. Are they cheating with what they're trying to get away with? No, oh, this would actually that that would happen with this thing. This smart person would just do this thing and get killed in a way that would just not expect. And it's scary and cool and smart and just has and honors the craft. I, it just and that's I think that's the thing is like there's real filmmakers like people that care about movies are making horror and they always have. But I think in right now we're just getting we're getting people that were lucky that they're still going to make horror and not moving to other genres. Cause they're making such good stuff. Yeah. Um, like I have to say like when I worked when, when I, when both of us worked for shutter a few years ago, it was super refreshing for me anyway, to be working for a company that like wants it to be scary and loves horror because I've been in the situation so many times in my life where horror was kind of looked at as a debased genre. And I think that a lot of people in the industry can kind of be that way. And I feel like now it's not so much, you know, I mean, like when, I don't know what the box office uh, totals are going to be for this weekend, but you know, a horror movie 
was number one and number two. So Halloween Ends was number one and, and Smile was number two. And Smile had been number one the week before. And, you know, it's it's hard to argue that horror isn't, you know, one of the most vibrant uh, genres. And uh, I, uh, I, I'm i a, I'm a big uh, Fangoria reader and, and you know, have been since I was, you know, a teenager. And Fangoria has gone through many iterations. And what, where it is now, it's really interesting because the horror genre is sort of embracing so so much diversity and so many voices who uh, you know like frankly when i was a kid probably wouldn't have gotten a shot to make a movie and so you get movies like um like the new hellraiser for instance you know where where you have a trans woman playing uh pinhead i've watched it twice now and i think it's the best hellraiser since the first one yeah it's Um, incredible agreed yeah and 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 i feel like the the fact that I feel like that audience is is crying out for that. I mean, you know, to me, the obvious one of the big uh, voices in that world is Jordan Peele. And uh, I don't think he came up with the phrase elevated horror. And if he did, I think he'd be embarrassed about it because the idea like because I don't think horror was ever not elevated. Um, but he's using horror to kind of touch on stories you know, you could say George Romero would touch on racial stories, but it was still from the point of view of a black uh, of a white guy in the yeah. 1960s, 1970s. And now you have somebody of Jordan Peele's in- incredible uh, cinematic powers doing it from his point of view. So, you know, uh, uh, a white guy like me watching him like I'm I'm getting empathy in a, in a new way. Um, and, and, exactly. he, and he's using the genre stuff to kind of. To, to, as the spoonful of sugar, I guess. Uh, Prey. I don't know if you saw Prey, the Predator. Yes, uh, loved it. Oh, it so incredible. good, dude. Yeah, like, uh, yeah. So, like, uh, when people complain about like you know movies that are heavy-handedly diverse, and there's a good and a yeah. bad way to do it. I look at Prey, and I'm like, that's how you do it. Like, yes. Like, no, no one's going to talk about the diversity because they're going to talk about how fucking awesome the movie was. And meanwhile, exactly. you know, Amber Mid Thunder is going to be, you know, one of the biggest, if she wants to be, is going to be a humongous action star. Yeah. The world is hers if she wants it, man. That's for sure. Oh, absolutely. And then, and then when, you know, Ben and Bob put out their monster uh, movie in a few years, you know <laughs> what I'm saying? We got that red carpet pass. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be the first one to be like, best movie ever. Next question. <laughs> I'll be by the velvet rope, gentlemen. Rooting yawn. <laughs> I smell it coming because I want a movie. I want a movie of catchers. Oh, I want it yesterday because trimmers made money. That means there is at least in the distant realm of a hey, people like this thing. And this is ready. It's ready now for a movie, man. I want it in my brain. Spread the word. Yeah. Oh, I will. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> From your lips to Jason Blum's ears. Oh, no. Oh, that's, and he'd be perfect. Okay, that's it. <laughs> you house very excited catchers. right now. You don't understand. If I, if you guys sent an email, be like, guess what's happening? You wouldn't have to finish the email. I'd be like, Blumhouse is producing it. <laughs> don't even finish it. I know what's happening. <laughs> well, and I, and I feel like Blumhouse, you know, to, to further answer your question, I mean, Blumhouse, I think, has done a, an amazing job of making taking horror seriously you know and in mm-hmm. hiring people like Ryan Turek to uh to to develop the stuff that they're doing they they've they've put like serious horror fans at the at the wheel you know yes. and and Ryan was a guiding force in the new Halloween trilogy and you know Shudder does the same thing uh you know uh 
Shutter has uh, Sam Zimmerman, who is a huge horror. He's first and foremost just a giant horror fan and slash nerd. And so you know, like when you see something on Shutter, I'll I'll just sometimes watch whatever the new thing is. I won't even question yep. it. And and it's because I know whatever is on there, uh, I may like it, I may not like it. It may be good, it may be bad, but it was beloved enough that somebody chose it. It was curated and put on that platform. Absolutely, it, it right. wasn't just yeah, it, it wasn't just like it. yeah, like if you go on I hate uh, if you go on Amazon Prime or something, it's like there's just so much stuff there, and there's great stuff on there, and there's bad stuff on there, and it's like and walking around Marshalls or something like that. Seriously, like Tubi, <laughs> Tubi, you can find stuff on Tubi, but I'm like, man, they put everything. on They this do. Thing. It's so true. <laughs> Everything. So, so true. <laughs> well, guys, listen, you did it again. You freaking made a fantastic story, and I cannot wait for the world to hear it, man. I'm just rooting you guys oh, on, and I'm so wishing much. you so much success with this. I just, everyone listening to my voice right now, all four of you, go out and get catchers, <laughs> man. Go out and just, 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 you don't even have to go out anymore. That's the beauty of this whole thing. With this, it's on Audible. It's on Audible. And besides, the pandemic changed everything anyway. You know what I mean? Just yeah. sit in the privacy of your home and hit download, and listen to a fantastic story that's going to keep you entertained for hours. I promise you this. Guys, where can we find you? Please don't forget to mention the podcast again, Ben, but I'd like to know where we can find you. Uh, Bob? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm on Twitter, at thembob, T-H-E-M as in Mary, B-O-B. And uh, yeah, uh, Twitter is actually just the easiest way to find me. Please come say hi. Uh, I'm at benrock.com, just the way it sounds, benrock.com. Uh, and you can find all my social stuff. I'm on Twitter as well. I'm at Neptune Salad. And, uh, you know, chat me up. Um, all, all, all the social places that someone of my age would be on. So don't, I won't be on TikTok anytime soon. You don't want to <laughs> Yeah, I'm relating that too now. I'm, I'm, it's, my social media is getting very limited as I age, I notice. I can't keep <laughs> up anymore. Well, like, uh, yeah, it's like it's like they designed it so that like after a certain age, you, I, I had this experience when Snapchat was a big deal. It's like I opened up Snapchat. And I'm like, so what do I do? Ah. <laughs> so what the what's kids the name are of your for? podcast? Uh, what's the name of your podcast? Oh, it's called the Cinematography Podcast. And we interview all uh, manner of cinematographers like uh, last last Oscar season. We nom- we interviewed three of the five who are nominated, including the winner. I just subscribed right now. Oh, and thank followed you. you both done and thank you very if much if you like if you like podcasts um ben and i we were oh, yeah. we were deep at we were deep into post-production on catchers which was basically a three-year process from from beginning it to really write was. to releasing yeah. the show um we got a really fast fun opportunity uh we were brought on to co-write an episode of a new horror anthology podcast called i hear fear which is on wondery and so that's actually going to really our episode we're, we're the I guess the season finale episode. Yeah. Uh, and it's, uh, it takes place on a cursed movie set. It's hosted and starring Oscar nominated actress, Carrie Mulligan. Cool, man. Yeah. Our episode is supposed to drop on Halloween day, I believe. So, uh, that Ben and I didn't make that. Uh, we just wrote the, we wrote the episode for them. They were a fantastic team of, uh, um, producers. Oh yeah. So it was a lot of fun. The script and the, and they went off and made it. So we haven't even heard the finished product, but it's a it's a great but, team. And it's a and great the show, show is already there. are I think at least two or three episodes already of uh, I Hear Fear that you can hear right now. Yeah, it's just for like Wondery subscribers right now. But eventually it'll be on all podcast platforms and everybody will be able to hear them. So some more some more spooky Halloween. I, fun I heard it on day. Amazon Music. I, I have an Amazon yeah. Music account with Prime. Oh, and, yeah. and so I had it. Yep, me too. On it. Any last words to say about catchers that you want these people to hear? It's super fun. It's scary. 
it's not too scary. I think some people were kind of creeped out by Video Palace and people I recommended it to. And this is, I think, this this drops more into that sort of Tremors vibe. Like if John Carpenter directed Tremors, uh, it's that sort of vibe. So it's not too scary that's going to keep you up at night, but it's going to... It's going to be entertaining, and uh, except you know for the uh, the f bombs that I, yeah. that Ben loves so dearly, a lot of uh, curse that's words. The only, well, also that's you're the only gonna, rated thing about it. You're going to learn all about the Vu Quang ox. Don't forget about that, and uh, that's yeah. important. <laughs> and and probably my favorite uh, Carl Sagan quote. <laughs> and it, it's great for a road trip. I think I think you all said you were listening to it uh, yep. on, on a road trip, and uh, that's our favorite thing was when somebody says they download you know one of our shows and they they listen to it over the course of a of a of a nighttime drive. That's I think the best time to listen to this stuff. Yeah, people, seriously, like this is really going to go for the Californians here. But uh, if you know your geography of California from Fresno to the Grapevine, we were just enjoying the hell of ourselves <laughs> the entire time. It was fantastic. <laughs> listen, seriously, great. man, go and pick this up on Audible, ladies and gentlemen. From Fresno to the Grapevine. There it yes! is. Put the quote on the poster. All right. Hey, guys, thank you so much for joining us. It's really nice talking to you again. Thank you so much. Right. Thanks for having us. This is great, guys. Good talking to you. Yeah, anytime, anytime. Guys, take care of yourselves. Please come back. Anytime you have something, we're always going to be here for you. All right. Will do. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, that's it. You've been listening to another episode of Heroes of Noise. My name is Dan. That is Steve over there. Say bye, Steve. Peace out. And I'm look forward to Ben and Bob's Blumhouse review. I'm telling you, it's <laughs> happening. I put it into the universe. Be ready. Love y'all. Peace. Steve's manifesting that shit. I am, dude. All right, everyone. Be good to yourselves. Be good to the people around you. Peace. Peace.